Hey there, Locked On Cavs listeners, Chris Manning here. On today's show, Evan and I are going to talk about Andre Drummond, how he's fit so far, how he's not fit so far, and preview this weekend's games where the Cavs play the Pelicans, and then back today on Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland. From Vanderbilt University. My, my, my. This call, the Kevin Love Show. Ari Ari, he's gone. Xbox at him today. At the kill. On the blue block. He put him in cement boots. Cut him sexton for two. All right, Evan, how's it going, buddy? How are you doing as we kind of get towards the end of the week here? You know, earlier in the week, it was really warm out, and it's very cold and very blustery outside. I don't know if you can hear um, the wind blowing through my by my back window, um, but I can't complain too much. It, the Cavs are 3-1. and one. I, I can't don't. We found something to complain about finally. Sorry, everybody. The good vibes are gone, but how are you doing? Um, whether it was really good or really bad, I think the main topic of today's show is sort of something we we need to do, and that's Andre Drummond. So Andre Drummond um, has played five games with the Cavs so far since he acquired. Mm-hmm. He's averaging 24.2 minutes per game, shooting 10.8 times a game, shooting an even 50% from the field overall, shooting 44% on three-pointers. He's launching 1.8 three-pointers a game, which is 1.2 attempts per game. Um, higher than his career average, which would be his aggregate number for the season. That's 1.3 higher than last season at the, the time where it really started um, randomly showing up in his game. He's averaging 12.8 points and 10.4 rebounds per game, shooting just 37.5% on free throws. Um, he's never been above 60.5% on free throws, so but this is pretty, pretty bad. Um, there's also been the two games where he was off the floor when the Cavs made comebacks late in the game against Washington, then against Miami this past Monday. So, um, I, I, I mean, I think it's being probably even generous to say that it's been a mixed bag so far for Andre Drummond in Cleveland. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think it's <clears throat> on both fronts. I think you can hold the Cavs culpable in this situation after acquiring him, and then you can also hold Drummond culpable as well on Cleveland. They don't really have a point guard that can act as a primary initiator to kind of get him set up in the offensive sets. I mean, Jarius Garland, like we've said many, 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 many times now, has shown flashes of potential as a playmaker. And then you have Colin Sexton, who also has shown an ability to playmake, but he has a preference to score instead of pass the ball, which is just kind of in, in his DNA, and that's how he is at this point. So he really, it just feels like you're screaming at the clouds at this point or into an abyss, whichever one people want to visualize, just to talk about Sexton's inability to move the ball. And then Dante Axon has been up and down as well, and he's sidelined with an ankle injury, so I don't think we're really going to get much exposure with him. And then Kevin Porter is viewed as a backup point guard, so more of a point forward, and he is averaging, I think, three, three a solid and clean 3.0 assists per game since J.B. Bakerstaff first said he wanted to start using him as a point guard more, which is higher than his career average of 2.1 per game, which is fine, but there's not a lot here for Drummond to work with, but in the same time, Cleveland's also running a pick-and-roll heavy offense. We got to see a lot of that against Philly last night. We're recording this on 
Thursday afternoon, and um, yeah, it just makes you think like Andre Drum has just been really lazy and just kind of not exerting himself out there because in a pick and roll situation, if he was able to act as a role man towards the basket, he would get so many easy buckets with the Cavs, and it just kind of feels like bad body language all around where the Cavs try to force feed him early in the game to try and get him comfortable and get him going and maybe create some spacing for them. But at the same time, it's also just not really working because teams are easily predicting and reading that after a few multiple possessions of them try to do that. Then Drummond tries to shoot a couple threes and then he's not playing down the closing stretch, which granted, J.B. Bickerstaff does like to use, it appears, the hot hand. And no one's been hotter than Larry Nance and Tristan Thompson coming off the bench, so... Drummond's the fall guy in that scenario, which I'm totally fine with. But yeah, no, it's like you said, it's a little bit generous to be a mixed bag. It's just been kind of underwhelming. Um, Duncan Smith, shout out to our guy, Duncan Smith. He kind of alluded to this and then he put out a piece at Hoops Habit just talking about how like a lot of Andre Drummond's glaring issues in his later time in Detroit is starting to rear its ugly head in just five games with Cleveland. And um it's just been a little frustrating overall to see him, especially with, I'll touch on this point after you talk for a little bit, but just considering a couple of the things that have been going on with the Cavs as well. Well, I'm going to run through a couple of numbers with Andre Drummond uh, to kind of illustrate, I think, some of the things that are, that are weird. Number one, I'll just say, I don't think the deployment for him has been particularly good. Um, you know, like I think, I understand they're trying to give him a chance to showcase he can do more stuff. I think that's something that they want from him. Um, it's something that he wants. I, I mean, I think that dates back to his time in Detroit, but playing him situations where he's like the guy in the corner is basically daring teams to let, play the Cavs four and five. That's not really a sustainable thing. Um, if you look at kind of his overall numbers, his free hit when he's shooting, um, he's basically stayed roughly around the same efficiency, like on his overall shots with effective field goal percentage over time. Um, but it's as the league has changed a little bit, you can see that that number is making him less efficient for his position. Like he was like, if you go back to when he was 20 years old, 13, 14 hit a effect or excuse me, let's go to 14, 15 when he was 21 had an effective field goal percentage of 51.6. Right now with the Cavs, that he's at 52.7. So while it's a little bit higher, it was actually like more efficient relative to his position than than it is now. He's in the 34th percentile this year. He's in the 55th percentile then. So over time, like he's sort of stayed the same in that regard, but he's become um, sort of less efficient relative to other centers, which is a little bit weird. Um, still taking a lot of shots at the rim, all that stuff. The Cavs just right now, it's, again, a five-game sample size. I don't want to like indicate that you can't crucify him yet no but if you wanted to be encouraged after five games um there's a reason like to not to be frankly um Mm -hmm. offensive wise they're they're 13.8 possessions worse per 100 possessions when he's on the floor that's in the second percentile among uh players the same position and then defensively it's even worse they are 27.5 points better per 100 possessions with him off the floor that's his according to cleaning the glass that's in that is literally like the worst among the worst um indicators of defense league now i don't think he's truly that bad i think you know he's not like a a elite elite defender but i think he's certainly going to be better than that um i don't know if it's like you know he's a big piece to integrate he's unlike anyone that they were ever going to bring in you know the, the starting lineup for instance that he's playing with with garland sexton Love and Jetty is played, you know, whopping 78 possessions together so far. That's not very much. It, it's bad, but the it's so early that, you know, you're not really sure how much you really want to 
kind of um, ascribe to some of that just yet. But the, I would just say, Evan, I for me, I, I don't want to like bury him after five games. Um, I don't think that's like a fair thing. I think the Cavs need time to figure it out. I do think this is where having time to practice and stuff would really help him. But um, the five game sample is pretty bad. And I, I would do the trade again. Like, there's no doubt mm-hmm. in my mind, just considering what you gave up to take out to roll the dice on a guy's talented as Drummond. But the five game sample is really not encouraging if you're hoping to to have him kind of make a positive impact right now, especially when you see how good Larry Nance is playing and how Tristan Thompson continues to play. Yeah, that's just that's I think my biggest point overall is Cleveland, in all honesty, got this got Andre Drummond for a steal. They traded two expiring deals in Henson and Knight, and I do believe they traded that Golden State second round pick, which is not going to be very valuable once that team is back at full health and full strength and whatever they end up doing with that draft pick of their own this year. Like Golden State's going to be a four, so it's not going to have as much value going forward, but. It makes like yeah, Drummond's been over underwhelming across the board, especially if you just like want to compare where he was at in Detroit this year to where he's at in Cleveland now. Like his numbers are down across the board, and it's just disappointing, like you said, and it's like underwhelming as well. And then it also doesn't help that Tristan Thompson, the guy who was benched for this new acquisition in Andre Drummond, is outplaying him in the five games. Drummond has played for the most part. Granted, that Clippers game was a bit of a massacre, but ever since at least J.B. Bakerstaff has taken over and has become the permanent head coach for the Cavs, uh, Tristan Thompson has been playing serious, meaningful minutes for the Cavs throughout his time. And, like, it's just weird to see Drummond kind of just riding the pine. And, like, I get it. Like, it's just it's good coaching strategy. It's good tactics. But... Yeah, no, it's just a little frustrating, a little disappointing. And then if you really want to think about it, like you hope like maybe things, like you said, five games isn't a big enough sample size to be like, okay, well, this is really, really bad, but it's not encouraging right now. And then if this doesn't get better, based on what you've heard and based on what I've heard, I think you and I can both just kind of agree and confirm that it seems more likely than not that Drummond will opt into his player option to be with Cleveland next year. And if he's on the books for roughly $28 million and he's giving you this kind of production, it's definitely a tougher pill to swallow because I think it's just like, it just feels like a waste of money if you're really going that far. And then maybe, I don't know, I just hope things improve, but it's just, I've been kind of frustrated, kind of bummed out. Like, it's just not really what I expected it to be. And I didn't have that high of expectations, but I did expect more than this. Yeah, I think I did too. Um, I think some of it is like, I do think his role is going to have to get dialed back a little bit. Like I give him post-ups, you know, give him um, lob attempts and, and all that stuff. But I, I don't think you want to like run a lot of stuff through him with the elbow and turn Kevin Love exclusively mm-hmm. into a spacer. I, I don't think that, you know, is a particularly smart kind of use of Andre Drummond. Um, Evan, the other thing I want to ask you, just as we kind of wrap up this first segment here, is if you just give me a rough percentage. Um, this is sort of impossible to know, but how much do you think this is uh, an, a drum and effort thing? And how much do you think of it as a, they haven't figured out the fit yet? How would you kind of divide that if those were the two big camps of, of why this is sort of not totally meshing yet? I'd say it's about 70, 30, 70% Cleveland's still trying to figure things out. Cause like you said, he is a big piece and 30% is just an effort thing. And maybe Drummond's just kind of <laughs> realizing like, this situation sucks. I can just kind of do whatever I want, and the Cavs are going to let me do whatever I want. So he's kind of freelancing right now. But if they're able to scale him back, like you said, like the percentage and it 
it, it, it would easily dip to more like 50-50 and then start the scales would start tipping more towards Drummond and the fact that if he doesn't improve like just and lock in and listen to what JB Bickerstaff is doing, it's just yeah, I don't know. It's just I get frustrated talking about it. What about you? What are you percentage wise? I would go sixty forty and with the the fit not being figured out yet. Again, I can't I don't think They'll ever say this publicly, but I don't think this is like an easy guy just to bring in and sort of incorporate if you don't kind of um, put him into a very specific role. And that's clearly not what is, what is going on here. And then, I, but I do think he's he's not playing like at the intensity that you can just tell. Like when you watch Tristan come in from that, it's just not the the full on intensity that you need from from him if he's going to be yeah. the best version of himself. And maybe the motivation is not there for it right now. You know, he sort of knows he has that player option. He sort of knows like this season is whatever, but I think if you're looking at something that could derail some of the good vibes you're seeing, it's like Drummond coming back and not playing with the same sort of, I mean, I, I mean, I think the hope would be that these last couple games would push him to be a little bit better. You know, I think that's one of the things is as he's more comfortable, um, I think you would want the Cavs to really kind of use these next couple games that they've just, these last few games, excuse me, where they've played really well to kind of push him um, in the right direction. But, you know, we'll see if that's true. We'll see if that's me just kind of bloviating and not um, really having a great read on that. But that's just kind of my initial take on that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with more Locked on Cavs. Talking Drummond and how we would adjust how we've been using more. So stay tuned for that. All right, Chris Manning here, back with my co-host on today's Lockdown Cavs, Evan Damerol. Evan, what do you, if you're going to look at Friday's game against New Orleans and then Saturday's game against the Indiana Pacers, a road home back-to-back, at the time of this recording, I'll note that we do not know exactly how available Drummond will be. He did not play Wednesday due to a calf strain. Um, We don't know if that's going to keep him out Friday or keep him out Saturday or if he'll play one or the other or whatever the case is. Uh, but there's a string of games coming up where they're going to play teams with good bigs. You go New Orleans Friday, Indiana Saturday, Utah on Monday, the Celtics on um, next Wednesday at home, Denver at home the following Saturday, and then they play the Spurs at home the day after that. What to you when you just look at the stretch? Is, is how would you want to see Drummond kind of better utilized and, and kind of starting to get better games out of him to date? Um, yeah, like you said, it just kind of depends if he is fully recovered from this injury and available. It did seem like it was a little bit of a weird snap or weird occurrence that just suddenly happened, but I get it. Like, you don't want to risk these kind of things, especially with the kind of money you have committed to Andre Drummond and especially long-term if he does opt in to that player option. But if I were just to kind of make things easier, well, it's a tough test for sure because Zion Williamson has been rough against big men and I'll let you talk more about that because you mentioned it before we started recording, but like that's a tough test. Derek Favors is no slouch, and then you flip over to Indiana on a back-to-back, which in all likelihood you could not see Kevin Love, you could not see Tristan Thompson. Like More pressure is going to be on Drummond, and they have a formidable defensive front court tandem of Donatus Sabonis and Miles Turner, and like that's a tough test as well, but just small things. It could make acclimating Drummond to this offense and just kind of making his fit a lot better would be easier. Like I said, Cleveland's run ran a lot of the pick and roll scenarios in against Philly and they did that effectively to get Kevin Love involved, the Tristan Thompson involved, Larry Nance involved, and he even got the guards going too. So it was building good steady reliable momentum. And like you touched on in the first segment, Drummond's attempting nearly two three pointers per game in Cleveland. 
the Cavs kind of have to tamper that down. I mean, maybe every now and then it's like Tristan Thompson where like if if he's open, it's the end of the shot clock or like you want to go for it like once a game, sure, but it just feels like Drummond shooting him is such a normal and consistent or a normal rate in Cleveland that it's becoming a little bit annoying. So instead, he's a massive body who'd be a solid and steady pick and roll partner, especially with Darius Garland, Jetty Osmond, Colin Sexton, even Kevin Porter. Like that's part of the reason why I feel like Cleveland brought Drummond in is to help grow the guard the guard rotations offensive game and just like level and just give them a bigger repertoire and just run Drummond and pick and roll scenarios, encourage him to roll towards the basket. And then I think just things will start to fall into place a lot easier. If you get him easy buckets, like his bad body language will go down pretty fast and maybe you'll get him a little bit more engaged throughout the game. And then maybe, and then you don't see him sitting on the bench, just kind of half, like he's cheering on the team and he's still involved in everything. But like, then there's other times in like timeout scenarios and stuff where you just kind of see Drummond coasting around and like looking at all the things being occupied by other things. Like, Maybe if it's just you find easier ways to get him involved instead of just post ups, and then you just have the have one of your young guards throw an entry pass that just turns into a turnover, and then just it's a snowball effect of errors that it just be kind of becomes an issue. And I don't know, it's just like easy, simple things like that where it just feels obvious. And with the Cavs, the obvious is never the most easy solution for them. So I don't know. I hope they do that, and I'm interested to see what they do. What about you, bud? Yeah, I think you'd want to get him um, incorporated in ways that sort of just sets him up to be really successful. I think you want to run pick and rolls with him. And and I think one of the allures of Drummond is you can run pick and rolls with him and these young guards. I think you can get him post-ups against, you know, smaller guys. And maybe those are not going to end up being the most efficient plays. But if you can get him a switch and then, um, you know, you can – you can it, it, the Cavs have some work to do there. I think, like, it's very clear that – this isn't a team that's like good at throwing entry passes just yet. Like it's not a skill they're particularly good at. If you just kind of watch the film, I don't even know if there's a stat that would really track that. But um, if you watch the film all year, it's just very clear to me. Um, if you're looking at ways to kind of better use drum, and I think it's when you find those mismatches, you got to be able to pounce on those really quickly, kind of empower him to, to make a one dribble post a move and just dunk on guys because mm-hmm. it's going to prevent scramming in the post. It's going to prevent um, the, the defenses from doubling or reacting and forcing him to make bad plays. I mean, I think one of the weaknesses of Drummond is truly just like he's kind of a turnover prone guy. Um, they're right now they're committing about 10% more turnovers per hundred possessions with him on the floor. Like that's pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> Um, yeah. Cavs are already not particularly great at taking care of the ball. So just kind of making it even worse when he gets pressured and, or to, and does something avoidable, I think, I think is a real problem. So I'm trying to do some of that stuff. Um, you know, I also just think I don't want to see him play with Tristan Thompson. Um, I think it's, <laughs> there's the, like, even if they crush it on the offensive glass, I think there's very little upside to that lineup. Um, I, I think. And I think the three-point stuff is like, look, like I understand that his form looks fine. He's open, whatever. There is literally no value to me in him just launching threes. No, um, lost possessions. It is frankly just absurd to me that that, like, like I don't give a shit if you think his form looks good. I don't give a shit if he's wide open a lot. Andre Drummond is not going to make a one three-pointer game. That is just not a thing. Um <laughs> free yeah. throw free throw shooting correlates to like being a good three point shooter like that's just like a thing he's a horrid three free throw shooter right like this is not like this is a player that is going like an 80% free throw shooter and then is going to step out and become a, a stretch like that is not the thing for him <laughs> 
So it's just like that, that kind of stuff that I think really needs to get fixed. I think, you know, I don't, I don't think um, I, I liked a lot of what Duncan wrote in this piece. I don't think it was bizarre considering like you're just a bad team betting on talent. I think that's kind of an unfair um, critique of the trade kind of even looking back at it, but he's just been bad. And I think the stuff that he's been bad at is like an enlargement of all the stuff he was already bad at. And it's the stuff you need to dial back on. And I think if you want to empower him, it's got to be in ways that is just going to maximize his size, maximize what he's good at. Um, and, you know, he ha- he also just is going to have to be willing to do that because I can understand him wanting to do more stuff. Andre Drummond, um, I think, needs to be someone who's going to lean into what he's really good at. And that's just going to make him more successful. That's going to make him get paid by the Cavs or somebody else because he's not going to get himself paid taking two three-pointers mm-hmm. games. There's just no way that other teams are going to look at that and be like, well, I, I want no, uh, I, I want nothing to do with that guy because he's doing that. That's just how that's going to work. So Chris, you're telling me that you don't want Andre Drummond to bring the ball up <clears throat> at all ever. Like you don't think that's a super fun, unique thing for him to try. Let Kevin, let, let Kevin Love do it. Let Larry Nance do it. I don't know. Let guys who actually like can pass do it. <sighs> Like I mean, Andre I mean Drummond, can, hey, can make Drummond, pass, but he's not like passing guy. Like Kevin Love can pass guys open. Um, yeah. Aaron Nance Jr. can pass guys open. Andre Drummond does not have it in his DNA to pass guys open, and that is absolutely fine. He's really good at other stuff. No one on the cast can do. He's just significantly bigger than uh, anyone else on the roster, and there's value to that. It's got to be used better. Just quite frankly. Oh, I agree, and. But to be fair to Drummond, he did make the lead pass to Darius Garland that led to probably one of the best plays the Cavs have made this entire season. Yeah, so that's that's also different than him. Like, okay, but that's like him. That's not him dribbling up the ball and trying to initiate the offense. That is just that, to me. That's a different thing. Like him jump starting a fast break is is great. If he's going to play point guard, that's more of a problem. Yeah. No. And you you bring up a really good point, and that's actually something I wanted to touch on, where Drummond realistically will not make them. If he opted out of that player option, I think he'd be very incredibly foolish of him to do and uh, disservice by his agent if he encouraged his agent, who I believe is Jeff Swartz, is the same agent as Kevin Love, encouraged him to opt out of, because there's no way in hell he's making $28 million on this year's market, but he could make a decent salary if he wanted to sign an extension with the Cavs, or if he wanted to test free into another team, like like you said, if he uses his God-given abilities and what has made him such a... I, I don't want to say dominant force, at least on the boards he's a dominant force, but I mean, the guy's an all-star, he's 26 years old, he has had relatively decent history in terms of health um i'm just looking at it now like he hasn't missed serious serious time with detroit throughout his time with them so like things are kind of adding up in his favor but he tries to do too much or he tries to get too fancy or he tries too much to be a modern nba player because maybe he realizes the fact that the traditional center is like a dinosaur and they're going extinct but it's also just not in his dna like you said for him to be trying these kind of things and i think that's the core of my frustration with andre drummond and I try to ignore some of the naysayers and some of the stuff I read about him in Detroit and like the legitimate concerns and like critiques that they had of him. But now that I've had just like five games of watching it in person and watching it closely in person, cause I'm trying so hard to want this to work, but it's just like, yeah, no, I just rather maybe that JB like pulls him aside and says like, listen, you got to stop doing X, Y, and Z because it's just not helping you and it's not helping us. And it's just making the team worse. So 
yeah, he, I don't know. He, there's ways he can clearly help this team. I think the way he's played so far um, is going to do it. it. I mean, as you look at these next couple games, as we kind of wrap up here on Drummond, is there one of these games you are most interested in seeing how he plays in it? To me, it's Indiana. I'm assuming everyone's healthy in that game, but um, the Zion stuff, it's just like going to be real interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. there, there's some stuff there that I'm just like with, with Zion against centers um, that will I'll touch on in the next segment. That is like a little, it makes me a little curious to see how any of the calf centers, frankly, are going to do in that one. But is there a game in these next couple weeks that you kind of want to see how he plays in her? Or is it, is it just frankly Friday seeing when he plays, seeing if he plays and then if he plays kind of how he performs um, in his first game back? I think it's going to be both games this weekend just to like to kind of get a litmus test and maybe like see what adjustments JB Bakerstaff has been making behind the scenes because <clears throat> clearly Bakerstaff has made adjustments and hopefully he's been working with Drummond and the team to try and get him acclimated. But um, it's just, it's one, if he's healthy, how long he lasts against New Orleans. Like let's say he plays more than his average of 24-ish minutes at night and then it's just sees, and then if the ham, if the injury is serious enough that he doesn't play against Indiana, like you just kind of rule the Indiana game out. It's just it's a bit of a mixed bag right now to see what is going to happen because the Cavs are overly cautious with players and they're injured. Like I won't be surprised if Kevin Love sits out Saturday night against Indiana, and I wouldn't be surprised if like Tristan sat out and even if Drummond sat out. But I think those, like you said, Andre Drummond or not, sorry, not Andre Drummond, Zion Williamson, and we'll touch on this in the next segment against opposing centers is something to behold. But Indiana is so solid overall with their big man rotation that 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 also is a big a good test for him. So I'm just kind of intrigued to see like maybe this weekend will be the launching point where we can stop grumbling about Andre Drummond and start saying like, okay, now I can see and talk myself into him being here long term. Yeah, I I think there's obviously still time for us to see how it you know it plays out. I think you know we're certainly got to see like how this goes the rest of the year. I think certainly there are a lot of bodies and bigs you're kind of figuring out how they're going to work right now. But uh, it's an ongoing thing. Again, the early returns have been bad. That does not mean that that's like a permanent thing with Drummond. That it's all going to be bad. But it's just kind of worth noting. Um, mm-hmm. evidence besides that past, just so people don't think. Particularly me, I'm being a downer on this episode more than you. You're you're trying to be happy. I'm like, ah, this is crap. Is there something? Jokes. Yeah, I'm just here being like this. This looking at these numbers and watching the tape makes me really just like, what what the fuck is going on? Um, as you look at just him so far, is there anything about what he's done that you're like, okay, this is something that I I do kind of like how it works? Is there anything you've seen where you're like, okay, this is this is something I can kind of ride with? It's just. I really can't tell you because all I'm thinking right now are just all the things that frustrates me. I'd have to go back and look at the film and maybe you can talk me into something here and talk me off the ledge a little bit, but yeah, I know like it's, he's had a few highlight plays and like things worth noting. And, but it's just harder for me to pallet Andre jumping on the calves when I just in the back of my mind, it's screaming that Tristan Thompson off the bench has been a better player every single time. And when he played against Philly, like Tristan Thompson was super energized and engaged. And I'm just like, why the hell can't Andre Drummond do this? Is there anything that you saw through your research and analysis that could possibly warm me up to Drummond a little bit? So I don't sound like a total jerk. Cause we wrap this up. Um, you know, I would say if you're looking at his games with the Cavs, he had uh he's had a six of 10 game and he had a six of 11 game. Um, so he's had two games and he had a, th- he was three of three against Miami in that loss, which I just kind of wiped that game. Yeah. 
but if you well, if you look at um, his the games he's played with the Cavs, the first, the game against Atlanta before the break, and the game against the Wizards, at the very least in those ones, he took he only took he took one through and both of them missed both of them. Uh, but just as a reminder, he's hit two. He took four threes. He's had two games where he took three or more threes, which is just like wild stuff. Wild stuff. But yeah. he, in those in those two games, the February twelfth before the break, and then February twenty first after, he was twelve. If you factor out the two three point misses, he was twelve of nineteen in those games. Um, had double digit rebounds in both of them. Had at least three offensive rebounds in both of them. Um, you know, the turnovers are high in those games and and everything, and like that's kind of concerning. And um, you know, we got I got I'd have to go back and I, I'm planning on doing a little bit more of that stuff. But I do look at Drummond and I think, okay, like there there is a template probably in those games more than the other ones where even if the numbers aren't like perfect for him and overall the overall picture is a little blurry, I do think you can probably look at those as a template. Um, and certainly I think, you know, I certainly, I think if we want to look at seeing how he can do, if there is anyone on the Cavs that has a shot at like, at least botting Zion a little bit at the rim on Friday, it's, it's him. He's the guy that has the frame to at least kind of bump Zion a little bit and see if they can get kind of pushed back on, on Zion, just wrecking them. Um, but we'll, we'll see if that's the case. I'm curious to see how he plays. Curious to see how I'm going to ask Bickerstaff on Saturday, sort of what he thinks of how Drummond's played so far, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there and see how that evaluates. Okay, we'll be right back talking about the two games this weekend. That's coming up next on Locked Cats. All right, Evan and I are back. I'm Chris Manning, your host here on Lockdown Cavs. Uh, Evan, Cavs, Pelicans Friday. Cavs Pacers Saturday. Which game are you most intrigued by? Probably the Pelicans matchup, just because <clears throat> Zion Williamson has been incredible to watch, and it's just kind of fun to watch um, possible future Cavalier Brandon Ingram go off. If Andre Drummond does opt out, that's wishful thinking, and we're going to just speak into existence. But um, Cleveland lost that matchup. They played. God, it's been. A month exactly. It'll be a month exactly tomorrow when Cleveland played New Orleans last. They lost one twenty-five to one eleven, and we didn't see Darius Garland in that game. I'm interested to see how Darius Garland plays in this matchup. Colin Sexton had twenty-four points and four assists, and and two and to go with two steals as well, which is an overall well-rounded game, and especially when you consider that Drew Holiday is a defensive stud, Lonzo Ball is no slouch on defense, um, Josh Hart is a little bit of a mixed bag, but he's a solid enough defensive player. Like New Orleans has players that can give young guards the fits and for Sexton to have that kind of night is definitely encouraging. And he finished nine to 20 overall. So he did shoot the ball the hell out of the ball, but whatever you, you take those lumps with Colin. Plus that's also when Kevin Porter hit that awesome step back three pointer against Drew Holiday, which is always sweet as well, and he finished the night about a, a month ago with 21 points and two assists and one steal. And with Kevin Porter getting a more pronounced role off the bench for the Cavs, I expect him to one probably be on New Fen- not New Orleans's um, scouting report. Just as somebody to pay attention to, just because of how well he's been playing lately. But maybe there's a good opportunity where we have another big Kevin Porter game like this, and it's just a lot more fun to watch than coming off the bench. What about you, buddy? What are you looking for? Which matchup are you looking forward to most? I think the Pelicans, just because I want to see how they look um, on the road. Um, certainly, again, they you know they, their best performances, 
they're big comebacks of late, and their last two wins came at home. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. I th- overall just think that this is a good weekend because if you're looking at the last two weeks, um, the Pelicans are 11th in, according to Cleveland the Glass, who does who tracks these things over the last over the like two week segments. They'll have like the last two weeks based on the day you're looking at it. So over the last two weeks, the Pelicans are the 11th best team in the league uh, based on net rating the the pacers are 10th in that they're so the the pacers are plus 6.6 per hundred possessions for context the houston is the best team over the league over the last two weeks at 22.6 points better than its opponents per hundred possessions what about the Cavs, chris you got to tell the folks well at home. no evan this is actually uh this is actually going to be a positive thing here give me where do you think the Cavs are at you said new orleans is 11th you said at point I, i'm i'll give you it's a two-part question i'll give you a point for either one uh, if you get them. So again, New Orleans is at plus 5.1 per hundred possessions. They are 11th. The Pacers are plus 6.6 per hundred possessions. They are 10th. Where are the Cavs? 17th. And do you have a guess on their point differential be either being positive or negative? I'm going to assume it's positive just because I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping for the best here. Okay. So they are 14th tied with the heat. Um, yes. And they're plus point one point two points per under possession over the last two weeks. One for two, I guess. I I was. I'm gonna give. Hard. I'll give you two. It's you do, we're all winners here. Um, that's like really interesting. Um, the Cavs over that time like are actually like bizarrely um f- like fourth in the split between their offense and defense, <laughs> which is just like okay. Um. They're off like it's just like a again or sorry against the spread. They're just like the fourth best team against the spread the last couple weeks, which is just quite bizarre. Um, yeah, you know, I for the Cavs, it is just like a, I think a really tough test. You know, back to backs are never easy. It's two good opponents. Um, I think that will test them in different ways. Indiana obviously is kind of figuring itself out a little bit. So I think if you mm-hmm. were to kind of if I were to pick a game that feels more winnable, it's actually probably Saturday. I don't know what I got to look yeah. at Indiana's schedule to kind of indicate that. But if you look at them working back in all the depot, um, you know they just they didn't lose they lost Jeremy Lamb not that long ago. I think if you're looking at Saturday, it's like okay, maybe you can win that one. They, they so they play Portland tonight um, at home, and then they play the Cavs on Saturday. So they have a day off. The Cavs obviously don't have that, but you know maybe the Cavs can steal that one just being at home um, and, and catching Indiana kind of still figuring itself out a little bit. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely possible. And can you believe it's been many moons since the Cleveland has played Indiana? They played them on October 26th and November 1st. And this is the first time these teams have played each other. And the last time Cleveland played Indiana, they were both 2-3 and three after that game. And we were riding that Cleveland wave really high. And Indiana is six in the Eastern Conference. Cleveland is obviously dead last in the Eastern Conference. So... I don't know. Yeah, no, maybe it is a winnable game, maybe in, in both contests, just to actually make something relevant at this point. I'm making it was the Cavs won the first game, it was the home opener. They won 112, 110 to 99, and then the second game was a close loss at 102 to 95. So, like, they're definitely winnable for the Cavs. And, like you said, they're still trying to kind of figure things out with Victor Oladipo. And then the fact that they lost Jeremy Lamb is definitely a blow to them. And then, so maybe Cleveland kind of catches them by surprise. and I just think it more so depends on who Cleveland has available in the second of a back-to-back because, like we said, Kevin or like I said, Kevin Love has that quote-unquote Achilles injury. I don't know if it's actually an Achilles injury or just an excuse for load management. But um, he could sit out. Tristan Thomas could easily sit out as well. You can make a case for that. Andre Drummond with his calf injury, you could sit him out as well. Like Cleveland could get easily bodied. 
by Sabonis and Turner, or it could turn into a real like legitimate matchup between two teams that obviously aren't comparable record-wise, but it's a team that Cleveland has consistently hung with this season. So I think it's possible, like you said, that the Cavs could walk away with a win and two thumbs up for this from this guy for that weekend. Um, is there anything we've seen, Evan, from the last couple of games that you would like to see the Cavs either adjust or carry over from the last couple of things um, we've seen uh, the last couple of games from these wins, you know, the Miami win, the Wizards win, whatever. Is there anything you'd like to see either carried over or, or kind of adapted in that time? Um, Maybe just the JB getting weird with it again, playing more Larry Nance in spot situations than three. It's kind of just weirdly been effective. Maybe Indiana is another team you could test that against with them playing arguably two centers at the four and the five with Turner and Sabonis and then you could maybe justify having Love, Thompson, and Dance out there if all three of them are available. And like That'd be fun to watch and then just like I said in the last segment, just trying to get Andre Drummond to buy in more to a pick and roll offense and just being the role man <clears throat> for lob passes and just in the pick and roll in general instead of just encouraging him maybe to drift to the three point line and getting him involved Like it's going to be tough against a team like Indiana who again, has two good big men in Sabonis and Turner, so those are adjustments I'd like to see, and then the same thing with Ditto for New Orleans, like, New Orleans is definitely going to be an interesting matchup, like, they're a fun team to watch, they're playing with a lot of, like you said, they're playing really well, and, like, they're playing well at home lately, so that'll be a tough outing as well, especially considering New Orleans is... I don't know if Cleveland historically is the best there, but I feel like off the top of my head, just recently they haven't been, so... It'll just be an interesting adjustment to see, and I hope there's just like small things that JV Bickerstaff is willing to employ that just keeps things weird, but at least keeps things refreshing and actually results in like winning basketball plays, even if they don't even result in wins. If like the Cavs are learning and growing from these instead of getting absolutely slaughtered like they have been under Bayline, it's I'll take it any day of the week. What about you? Uh, for me, I think it's uh, I want to see. I think it relates back to Bickerstaff and the stuff we talked about on yesterday's show. You wrote about that at Forbes as well, but. You know, him just kind of scaling some stuff back to make sure it works. Um, I think that's just the thing that I would continue to do, and I, I would apply that to Andre Drummond when he plays. And then I also would just say, like, the effort level has just been, you know, you watch the game. That's not something we can quantify into a stat. You know, that's not something we can, like, there's not, like, real real plus real plus energy or, or like, a real effort level like that we can, like, look up in basketball reference or something. But you know it when you see it. It's just one of those things that I think we're watching the games like really still is is going to tell you a lot more than like what what the numbers are going to tell you about some guy. Um, and when I think about that, I think the Cavs have to keep that up. And I also just want to see, you know, if we get five minutes of the three big lineup again in one of these games, I'm good with that. Even though I don't think yeah. it's like a sustainable thing, give, give me it and seeing if it just works because it worked two games in a row against, you know, kind of common modern basketball logic. Yeah, no, it's... It's just weird. Like, you don't... It doesn't make sense. And, like, I joked about it. And, God, Chris, could you imagine if they went out there with Nance at the three, Thompson at the four, and Drone at the five? Would you? How upset would you be? I wouldn't be upset. Um, I would be perplexed. My brain... Like, I, I've, I have had... Um, as I've... I don't know if it's, like, because I'm getting old. Because I'm, I'm very old at the age of 26. Um, or if it's just like me, like not being as like anxious now and like sort of noticing things better, but I keep having like my brain just like exploded by things that like, just don't make sense. Like I've noticed that when I've noticed that things just like don't add up to me as much lately. And I don't like, again, I don't know what that the root of that is, but it's like 
when I first saw the big money lineup, I was just like, Exc- excuse me. Like yeah, <laughs> my brain just really hurt a little bit. Um, and it just looks weird. You know, it just looks really, really weird. It's sometimes like when you watch a team, you haven't watched much of, like I watched the Suns the other day and I was just like, this just feels really weird to my brain. You know, like I just can't quite make sense of, of this. Cause I'm not used to watching this team. I don't under, like when I watch the Cavs, even now with some of the roster changes, like I feel like I sort of know how it's going to sort of work. Um, with other teams, it's like I watch them just like, oh, my God, like well, the, the couple times I watch college basketball, you know, which is just a worse product. Um, I watch it. I'm just like my my brain does not make this doesn't make as much sense to me. It's just like the way it works doesn't make sense to me. So that like that's what happens at three man lineup. And if the Cavs can do that stuff and it works like that, that that's good entertainment value for me, frankly, if I'm doing my time on this, obviously, in there to to create podcasts, you write it, whatever. Um but I also just want to see interesting stuff. I root for stories more than I do anything else. Yeah, I think you and I are both in the same camp in that regard. Like, I'd rather write stories about fun things and interesting things and weird things than all the drama and just mismanagement that's been going on. And at the same time, also, if I'm going to spend my Saturday night in downtown Cleveland watching a not very good basketball team go up against the Pacers, I want to have fun watching it. I don't want it to be like the Golden State game where it feels like the game is over by like midway through the second quarter. So yeah, no, I'd rather just have a good time when I'm there. And usually I do, but it's just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're there on Saturday um, and you see Evernight, and I, please say hi. I promise. I, I'm, I am a decent enough human being, but uh, Evan's nicer than me as well, but we're going to be there on Saturday. I think we'll record something there. It's an interesting weekend. Um, and you got interesting game coming up next week the jazz coming into town the celtics um like how the Cavs guard jason tatum next week will be really interesting to see what bicker staff decides to do there because jason tatum is really really good and the Cavs don't really have a clear option for that you know we'll see if mckinney comes back there's a lot of little wrinkles with the Cavs right now that i am curious to see how they ultimately play out but evan any final thoughts as we get out of here curious is a good way to put it and what a weird way to say that because I was just so ready for the Cavs to phone it in for these last handful however many games it was 28 games but it's actually just been a lot more refreshing and fun to watch and I'm excited to see what happens next yeah me too it'll be interesting weekend um it's everything you guys think could want out of a double slate and we'll kind of see how this ends up going but that's gonna be it for this episode of Locked and Cavs uh, for Friday, February twenty eighth. I'm Chris Manning. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Cavs. Evans on Twitter at and not Evan. I'm at CWM Rights. We'll have some sort of podcasts up after the games this weekend. Perhaps Evan and I together from the arena on Saturday for Cavs Pacers. But um, we'll talk to you then after those games and enjoy both of them. Hopefully, we get some interesting stuff because, frankly, that's all you can really ask for at the end of the day. Cheers. Have a good one.